Never miss a single podcast by signing up for our newsletter at myfeminineheart.com. All right, welcome back to another podcast of My Feminine Heart. Thank you to our advocate expert, Joanne Carroll. That's an overstatement. <laughs> uh, Joanne, um, longtime friend and family member of mine. She's a huge advocate for the transgender community. In fact, she even started her own advocacy organization called Trans Advocacy Pennsylvania. And you can find that at, what's your website, Joanne? Just take the spaces out and put it all on the web at one shot, transadvocacyfensmenu.org. and you will, yeah. we will find you. Uh, Joanne, thank you so much for coming back oh, to the pleasure. show. Oh, my pleasure. You know that. <laughs> so uh, we first met, we were, we're thinking 2012, maybe 11, but yeah. we think 2012. It's a little murky back that far. Yeah, yeah. and uh, one of the things that we were just saying off camera that I love is um, one of my favorite parts of this podcast is to show people out there, Joanne didn't just happen. You know, you don't just you don't just come into the world as Joanne, and you know you went in more ways than one. Yeah, in more <laughs> than ways than one. You know, you went through your own transition process. You struggled, mm-hmm. um, and you know there were times when when you and I first met, you were not one hundred percent out of the closet mm-hmm. because you had what did you call it? like a coping? living in stealth. Living in stealth, but what was the name that like you had a name Bennett. for your name? No, I mean like a Joanne Marie Bennett. No, I mean you you called it like a decoy name oh, or oh, my, no. <laughs> sorry, my nom de net. Your nom de net. Because yeah. the, an, an um, a, um, author uses nom de plume. Mm-hmm. I called it my nom de net. Your nom de net, and because um, you were not like you, you're very involved in your church. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time, you didn't want people in your church to know that you were trans. Because at that point in time, my mother was with living with me. Mm-hmm. And it was very important for her to have that life within the church. And it was important for me, too, to be a part of that with her. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I was basically living in two identities. Uh, Joanne Bennett was the one that was visible in the trans community, and Joanne Carroll was the one that was visible in, in her real life. Yeah. I mean, I'd already done the legal name change and everything else. It's just that I kept that alias because... It, Kept the six degrees of separation. and But, yeah, that's what I love. It's, you know, it was just like eight, nine years ago, you were still doing that. Yeah. Jump forward well, till... Long, no, it's longer than that. It's longer than that. Because mom passed away 10 years ago, so it's got to be closer to like 12. Yeah. Well, whenever, when we yeah. met, um, you introduced me to yourself as Joanne Bennett. Because my mom was still alive at that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I adopted you as my grandma. Yes, thank you. And then you privately were like... You need to know my real last name. My real last name is Carol. So, um, but you know, you jump forward now. You have your own advocacy organization, and you didn't just step to that either. You're the co-chair of the Keystone Conference. You're the past president of the Vanity Club. The past president of Trans Central PA. So you, you're I don't know how to say no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's hard. You know, when you know you're former military, mm-hmm. and thank you so much for your service. Yeah, um, you. But you know there. Are, Typically, when you volunteer, as you and I are both big volunteer people, in any organization, there may be a hundred members in name, and it's three or four people that do all the work. Mm-hmm. And when you are that person, you quickly rise to the top and in, in, in the leadership. But again, it's a matter of not being able to say no. Yeah. <laughs> but for you know people who are at home, and you're like, this could never be me. I could never do the work that Joanne does. I could never volunteer, make an impact, and make a difference because I'm not even out of my own closet. There was a time when Joanne wasn't either, mm-hmm. but here she sits. 
So um, for anybody who's dreaming of this, Joanne is actually... I don't think you dream about doing this. You don't dream about advocacy no, work and changing the do. world? I think, I think you more or less, you dream more about just being authentic, just being able to live your life as you know how you'd be able to live it. The other stuff just comes along by accident. You think so? Yeah, I do. I it's see. Just have, it's, if you're in the right place at the right time, some of these things will accrue to you. But I don't think, I don't think there's a single trans woman in the world or trans male in the world that has transitioned with the idea, okay, someday I'm going to be over here doing this. No, they just want to live our lives. Okay. It's just what comes to you. You do the work that comes to you. So this was just an accidental calling. You just kept getting pulled towards your, your advocacy. Well, I've always been the gregarious. I've always been outgoing. Um, in my prior life, living as a male, I was a ch uh, chairman of a chamber of commerce. I was chairman of a trans uh, a tourism advisory committee. I was active in politics. I was doing all kinds of different things as a male. So, I mean, it wasn't like I didn't have any experience coming in the door on those kind of public activities. But I didn't transition with the idea that I would be involved in any of this. The whole idea was I just wanted to be me. I just wanted to live life and be me. I wanted to get up in the morning, look in the mirror and say, oh, there she is. Uh -huh. You know, that's all I ever wanted. And, and I think if, you, if mom was alive, she would tell you the same thing. That's all either one of us ever wanted was just for us to live a life as mother and daughter and make up for all those years we had never had earlier. Oh, see, for me, um, whenever I pictured the life I wanted to live, growing up as a child, teenager, 20s, 30s, now, I would always see somebody else living that life and, and always wanted, wonder, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. how do I get there? Exactly. How do I connect the dots for me and this, to her? And it's the same way with somebody who's transgender. Mm -hmm. You know, I can honestly tell you I've never looked at a woman with lust in my eyes. But I've looked at her jealously, saying, wow, what would it be like to be her? Yeah. You know? Well, and who, who and doesn't I, feel that yeah, way about... When I look back at my childhood, if you were to you know, take Joanne back 70 years and say, what would you like to grow up and be? I want to be a wife and a mommy. That would have been what I would tell you. See, I would want to be you. <laughs> the people I looked up to growing up were the people making the difference in the okay. world. You know, the, the public yeah. speakers. No, my, the... Goal, my, my goals were simple. I just wanted to be a wife and a mommy. Oh, no, I'm that's... taking over the world in this podcast. <laughs> is step one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. you understand what I'm saying? I do, I do. I, because yeah. that's how I felt inside. But obviously at that time, 70 years ago, you couldn't tell anybody that. Yeah. But, no, I didn't have any aspirations to be this... This, person traveling all over the Commonwealth in the United States and whatever else. That was never on my uh, hit list. So where should we hit first? Should we hit the trail to get to where you are, or do we want to talk well, right talked, now about... We talked one time before about my my story. Yes, we have, and, and, your, and your transition journey. So you can actually, yeah. there's like a whole hour where we talk about yeah. Joanne's entire life from Canada till here. Yeah. Um, yes, yeah, so we, we have touched so on that. let's talk about the... I don't want to use the word evolution, that's not the right term, but the growth then of, of the public persona. The public persona of Joanne. Because you are, you're a brand now. People know your name. Oh, no, they know the work that you're don't doing. Don't oversell. <laughs> <laughs> don't oversell. Yeah. So, like, well, you're retired. Mm-hmm. You're retired military. Mm -hmm. Retired hotel executive. Retired hotel executive. Uh, so you live the life of a retired advocate. You get to decide each day where you go and what you do. Or not. Or not, um, <laughs> promoting the causes that you believe in in the way you believe in them. Yeah. So what does advocacy look like to you? Let's talk a bit about what it isn't. Okay. Okay. 
And, you know, when you think about advocacy and activism, people have this picture of somebody marching around carrying a sign, shouting at the top of their voice. No, that's not what it is. Like protesting in somebody's face. Protesting something. That's not, yeah. that's protesting. Yeah. Advocacy is trying to help people understand what they don't know. Inf information. Education. The reason the trans community has so much problems it has is because people fear what they don't know. And the minute you take that fear away, the whole demeanor changes. Because we talked about another podcast using a quote from Margaret Wheatley. Mm -hmm. It's awfully hard to hate somebody whose story you know. Yeah. And, and that's the premise of advocacy. If you can get your story communicated, if you can tell people what sets this apart and why you don't need to be afraid of it, that's when it becomes really different. Okay. But it's not about running and marching around with a sign in your hand and yelling at the top of your lungs. It's about doing the quiet work of saying, okay, how can I help this person understand? My operating premise is I believe in the starfish theory is what I tell people. Yeah, and you've talked about the starfish before. Yeah. I love this I'll analogy. Say, I'll do it again because it's important to what I'm going to say. There's a little boy on the beach, and he picks up a starfish, and he throws it in the water. And this old man says, honey, what are you doing? And he said, I'm saving starfish. He said, look, look, there's so many on the beach. You can't save them all. I said, nobody saved one. And so I go into each day with the idea that if I can help one person, or if I can change one mind, then my day's been a success. Well, and you never know how exponentially that will lead. Maybe exactly. you save that one person, and then they go on and save two. Yeah, yeah. And then those two people go Thank on you. and they save Not that starfish can pick up another starfish and throw them in the ocean, but yeah. but yeah, you're right, exactly. That is exponential. And I'll never know. I'll never know probably what the total impact of what I've done is. Mm -hmm. um, if, I'm, if I'm successful, one mind got changed and one person got helped. Yeah. I don't have any aspirations beyond that because I can't, I can't deal with that much in the future because that's not what's in front of me. Well, think about, I mean, your effect on, on me. You know, y'all brought but me. But I just love you, that's all. <laughs> but, <laughs> but there was a time when you didn't know me. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you brought me into the Keystone Conference years ago. Um, I didn't know um, how to, I, I, did, I, knew, I knew less about the T than the rest of mm -hmm. the LGB. And you educated me. You made sure that I used proper pronouns and that I understood that it was gender and not sex. Like you, you mm -hmm. took the time to inform me. And here, you probably just thought we just need some girl to take beauty pictures. And all these years later, now we're talking about your advocacy on my podcast. I mean, who like you never know. Just when Isn't you it take wonderful the twists and turns life brings you. I, I never thought this was going to be my future, and I'm so happy and I love it so much. But you know, you had one conversation with me you took the time to get to know me and look at how we've affected each other's lives and others yeah yeah and you never know you never know the reach you're going to have yeah yeah that's what advocacy is about yes advocacy <laughs> that's, that's what it's about telling a story and helping people understand what they don't know yeah it's not about being militant and there's too many people who think it's all about militancy and it's, it's not, not that it's not treating people unkindly for their lack of information yeah. I still have people coming up to me saying, I don't understand what transgender is. Can you explain exactly. it to me? And, and the thing I use as a premise, and I am anytime I do a presentation on what is advocacy and how you go about the process, um, I, as you know, I do a lot of work too, working with churches and helping them get their doors open for LGBT people. Yeah, it's called amazing. the Open and Affirming Process in the United Church of Christ, which I'm a part of the uh, ministry team. But I went to a, a training session years ago at Market Square Presbyterian downtown Harrisburg. It's called Building an Inclusive Church. And one of the, the concepts that they gave us was a thing called graceful engagement. Graceful engagement. Mm -hmm. 
And what that is, it's about sitting down with the objective that you're going to make a friend. You know, if you and I were to sit down, we could become polarized really fast. Mm -hmm. Because you have your views on things, I have my views on things. But the moment we find something where we disagree on, boom, it can split apart. Yeah. Okay. Obviously, we're beyond that because we can talk about anything we've already discovered. Yes, yeah, so we, we have hit every get, controversial it subject it in common. Yeah. But for people that you haven't, you maybe have just met, mm -hmm. it's really easy to polarize that situation. And you don't want to do that. No. Because the moment you push everybody to a new camp, they stay there. Yeah. So the whole idea is when you're doing graceful engagement is to find something you can uh, deal with in common. The best example I give is there's a film, and I give, I'll give a shout out to Joe Wilson, who was a documentary filmmaker, made a film years ago called Out in the Silence. Joe was born and raised in Oil City, Pennsylvania, mm -hmm. as red an area as you'd want to get. I mean, it's as conservative as, as you would imagine. Anyway, he was gay. Grew up high, in high school, he was gay. Couldn't wait to get out of Oil City, Pennsylvania. Moved to D.C., uh, went to college, mar married the man of his dreams. And when he got married, <laughs> they sent a, a wedding notice back to the Oil City paper. And I don't know if he did it to be Henri or, or to let some of his old friends know that this is where his life was going or whatever. But in the meantime, Joe and his, partner, his husband had become documentary filmmakers, doing all kinds of different documentary things. So he sent the notice back to Oil City. And, of course, the letter to the editor just went, you know, just went crazy. But one letter came directly to Joe. And it was the mother of a, of a high school sophomore who said, my son's gay, and he's getting terribly bullied. What can you do? And Joe and his husband packed up all their documentary gear and went to Hoel City. And one of the first persons that Joe met was a Baptist minister. Now, as you can imagine, you can't get a greater dichotomy of view on LGBT than between a gay male and a Baptist preacher. Yep. Okay? But they set out with the right objective, the graceful engagement objective, and that they wanted to get to know each other. You know, they could disagree on things, but that wasn't the pivot. The pivot was done, how can I understand what you think? How can you understand what I think? That was more important than whether or not they could end up agreeing on anything. Spoiler alert, gets down to the end of the of film, and Joe and his pastor are sitting again, and they're talking like two friends. Yeah. Now, Joe hadn't changed the, the minister's mind, the minister hadn't changed Joe's mind. Nothing changed except the fact they were able to have a dialogue. And that should, whenever we get into a situation where we're talking to somebody who maybe doesn't, ex you have the same view as we do. We need to approach it with that idea that when we come out the other end, oh. we're going to just be able to sit and talk with each other. You know, and, and I've seen um, this stated online, and I totally agree with it. You know, I'm sure you were raised the same way that I was. I was raised in a home that they told you early in life as a child, you don't talk politics, you don't talk religion, you don't talk these things with your friends. And I feel that that's wrong. What we need to teach children is how to have those conversations respectfully. Yeah. Yeah. Because you have to approach it. I'm not, gonna, I'm not going into that conversation to change your mind. Mm -hmm. I just want to know you. Yeah. I want to know what makes you tick. I want to know how you think and how you view the world. Yeah. And maybe in the process you'll give me that same opportunity and you can understand how I view the world. I mean, somewhere in there, then the understanding takes place. And all of a sudden, I'm not fearful. You know, you're not, you don't have to be fearful of me anymore. Yeah. Because I don't represent any kind of a threat. If I came in there all fired up and, and anxious and stuff, that wouldn't happen. Yeah. But if I approach you in a just kind of conversational tone, just like we're doing here, it changes the whole process. I mean, it just goes back to that old adage, you get more flies with honey than vinegar. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. 
or whatever else is the mm -hmm. opposite. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so that's really the, where the heart of it is. And too many people misunderstand what that's about. Yeah. And I have walked into situations where people are just diametrically opposed. I'll give you a classic case of Sally. One of the things we started doing with, within Trans Central when I was president is we started working with the Department of Corrections. Mm -hmm. There's a, a relatively large number of transgender persons inside the correctional units. And so what we we're going to do is provide a support system for that. Well, prior to that, we wanted to conduct some education. And one of the things we did was we conducted an education time for county uh, level people, county sheriffs, county wardens, that kind of thing, and they came in. I won't identify where this guy was from, but we had one guy that was just absolutely adamant about how wrong all this was. Just, ah, he was fired up. So we spent the day together, not just me, but other people within different parts of the LGBT community. And at the end of the day, he came up to me and says, can I give you a hug? Aww. And I thought, wow, what a change. And then, this is the killer of it all. About a year ago, he wrote to the Department of Corrections and said, I've got a transgender prisoner, and I want to do what's right. What do I need to do? That's incredible. Just because a few of us decided to take some time out of our schedule and try to get rid of that overwhelming fear of what's what the unknown. Yeah. And so that's why the advocacy can do it. Imagine the difference it made for that person that was arrested in that county. Well, and and that's what I love is... You know, you need to keep in mind when you are having conversations with people that it may not happen overnight for them. It may not happen within your conversation for them. You know, when you're talking about a transformation, that takes time. Yeah. And allow people to have that time. Allow them that space. And I think that's a mistake a lot of people make when they're going in. They say, I want them to do some advocacy work. They want to see me to change. And that's normal. Mm -hmm. Because we all, one of my biggest prayers, we always said, God, give me patience, but give it to me now. Yes. You know? <laughs> well, and you know, you're but working. We're very impatient. We want to see immediate results. Yeah. And that may not, like you said, that may not take place for, who knows, months or even years later. Yeah. And all of a sudden something clicks and that opportunity for them to interface with somebody that they haven't known, but they know something about the, the situation that we deal with. All of a sudden, oh, make how they connect the dots. Mm-hmm. And so I think you're right. That's that's where the real difference comes in. Well, and you had talked about in your other in our other podcast, um, the gentleman who was the father. I always forget oh, his yeah, name. Yeah. <laughs> um, who he was a keynote speaker for you when oh, you were no. at Keystone. Yeah, he, actually, and I he, we did a couple of workshops together later in, in Keystone. But you know when oh, that is a funny story. when his child wanted to transition, yeah. he wasn't. It's not like he, he was. He wasn't on board. He wasn't pro transition. No, he was a former Methodist minister. My goodness. But. Flash forward a few years, he's like a keynote speaker Thank at you. Keystone. Yeah. Well, not to know, he was a workshop leader. He didn't never did one of our keynotes because oh. he was involved in you know what we were doing. But yeah, no, that was a fun story. Yeah. yeah. I think we, did we talk about that last time? I think so. I think so. Yeah. We've talked about so much in our. Just our I know, and the problem about, is, it's yeah, it's hard to know what we have. To it talk is. About here we're not. what we're gonna have to do is um, our next road trip. Probably the next time we go up to first event is just record podcasts as we're driving. Or we'll have a dash or, cam. Or, or, or yeah, or something. exactly. Um, so, so, so bringing people back to Trans Advocacy Pennsylvania, mm -hmm. I'd like to give people a a snapshot view 
of what you do. So right now, it's March. We're preparing for um, the Keystone Conference. This will probably air after Keystone. Mm -hmm. Uh, What was the first quarter of 2020 like for you, January, February, March, as the, um, you know, president of of Trans Advocacy Pennsylvania? I'm the executive director. Is the executive director. Um, Very little impact, because why I had to set so much of what we're doing aside, because Keystone is so demanding. Yeah. I mean, there are days when, you know, 80 emails is nothing, you know. So I can't really say that we've had a big impact on the world in in the first part of 2020. But that's okay. Uh, but in the, say, the fourth quarter of last year, 2019. Typically, well, a typical year for me in the past has been 25,000 miles in the, in the Commonwealth. So you're driving 25,000 miles advocating different places, places in a year. Typically. Yeah. And where are some of the places that you're driving to? Um, I did a, uh, and this is just plucking some out of to, to, to show the different areas. I did a um, uh, purple graduation at Bloomsburg University. I did a purple graduation at uh, Claire, um, uh, Claremont. And, and what is a purple graduation? LGBT kids that are graduating, special graduation ceremony for them. Oh. Um, I'm, a, I'm also a member of the uh, Pennsylvania Commission for LGBTQ Affairs. Uh, so we were just up in Erie a few months ago for that. I've uh, been to Philly, I don't know how many times, to do different things with either the Philly Trans Health Organization or Mazzoni or whatever. Uh, in, in You're our, in Harrisburg all the time. Yeah, people say, why don't you move up here? I says, because I like living in Lancaster, that's why. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, I'm up here a lot of times, three and four times a week. Uh, I'm on the governor's LGBT work group. Um, that's uh, three of us from the LGBT community that meet in concert with all of the policy directors from all the different branches of the Wolf government um, administration. So we're likely sitting in with a policy director from administration, from uh, corrections, from wherever. If it's an agency of, of the Wolf government, we're interacting with them. And we've done probably about 20 different thing policy changes that affect the LGBT community since we started five years ago. So when you're out, you're on advisory boards, yeah. you are public speaking, you are yeah. public informing, educating, teaching, mm-hmm. um, occasionally, uh, because you are a nonprofit, so you need to have income from somewhere to keep going, even though you yourself don't take a salary. Mm-hmm. You do this completely volunteer. So this is covering your transportation, the well, 25... 25- the advantage I have is I'm retired, I get, medic- I get Social Security, and I also have my military retirement. Yeah. So I don't have to have a salary. So I'm in a perfect situation as far as that's concerned. Yes. I just need to get my mileage covered. That's all I have to have. So if somebody is loving the work that you're doing, is there a way that they can donate to your cause to help pay for yeah, some of that travel? Yeah, they're on website, Trans Pennsylvania, and you scroll through the different uh, menu options. You'll see there on how to support uh, Trans Advocacy Pennsylvania. Boom, that'll take you down to a thing, and you can do something through PayPal that way. That's fantastic, because yeah. like, you know, we always say, um, it's you if you if you you can always do something you can donate your time mm-hmm. you can donate your talent your or or your treasure In case your treasure yeah one of the things that's helped us is we've gotten a few small grants to get us up and going and that's helped a lot yeah because um, every you know people think there's no cost to having a website they think there's no cost to driving around they think there's no cost to the things that you're doing or even producing I'm sure educational materials there's a cost to everything mm-hmm. yeah yeah. And so, you know, those grants made a big difference. And we got one from Trans Central PA, as a matter of fact. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, so, I mean, that's cool. Um, in fact, that probably helped us get us organized as much as anything. Um, 
One of the advantages that I now have is I can devote my time fully to the advocacy job. Uh, whereas what I was doing, I was doing what I'm doing now. I was doing a lot as Trans Central PA president, but I also had to deal with the membership and all the intricacies of dealing with a, a membership organization at the same time. Now I don't. Now you just get to go out I and, and out preach, and do the work. Yep. And that's much. It's now that I'm older, you know, I'm I'm starting to learn that I have some limitations physically, and so now I have time where I can come back in and go, yeah, and catch my breath. Because it's been, in the past, it's been nothing like, you know, being in four or five different trips to Harrisburg in a week with three or four events a day. Now, that's that's too much for me. I would not It's too much that. for anybody. Yeah. But, you know, if you're committed to what you're doing, you, you do the work that's in front of you. So um, what are some reasons that people may be coming to you? They may have an organization or event where they're like, I need I need Joanne. I need some advocacy well, here's here. A, here's an interesting phenomenon that's occurred. Uh, and this wasn't anything that we had actually planned at all mm-hmm. because we weren't thinking about getting involved in any kind of support role other than helping like the LGBT coalition in Lancaster or the Rainbow Rose in, in New York or wherever it may be, you know, with uh, what kind of expertise we could bring to the table and help them with. We didn't get, we, did, we didn't think at all about working with individuals. But between one of my advocates and myself, we we're now in touch with seven different individuals working with them and helping them kind of try to work through their wickets. Five of them are at one of the facilities over in uh, Mount Gretna, inpatients that I'm working with. Wow. Um, the one girl I'm referring to that's one of our advocates for Southeast, South Central PA, um, this is an amazing story. She was, somebody, a girl, uh, a young trans girl reached out to her and said, I live in an Amish community. What can I do? How can I be me? Yes, as an Amish, oh my goodness. Amish child, right? Yeah. So, I'll use her first name, Janelle, went down and visited with her. Ultimately ended up having a conversation with the family. The family came on board with with the girl. Wow. The next step was to go to the community and talk to the bishops and the members of that stake or whatever they call themselves. And they all came on board. Two families didn't. And the bishop shunned both of them. Wow. So you talk about having an impact. Mm-hmm. You know, here's a community that's so stayed in their views that changed their minds simply because one person took the time. We're talking about a community that doesn't use electricity. Yes, thank Well, they, they do, They do, but it's all generated. They're not yeah. connected to the web. There's no indoor plumbing. Yeah. Well, yeah, they have some. Okay, well, we can have our conversations about the, I know Amish that drive cars and have Tupperware, yeah. but, like, in theory, yeah, this is a right. dated, to themselves, totally. limited, yeah. um, hardcore, these are extreme people. Yeah. Um, so, anyway, yeah, so this is how one person made a difference for one other person, but it affected an entire community. That's incredible. You know, but that wasn't anything we set out to do. Mm-hmm. It's just the work that comes to you. You know, you can't go out and recruit this kind of stuff. It just happens. Well, I'm a big believer that when you put something out to the universe, the universe will bring to you what needs to be done. The odds are good on that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, so we're getting involved in personal stories. Now, she's also involved with a young trans male up in uh, the Milton area, um, trying to help that, that child work through some of the wickets. And so, yeah, we're doing, and that's happening across the Commonwealth. The other people are doing the same things. One of my advocates has now formed another nonprofit 
up in Allentown that's helping provide funding for people to change their names and do other stuff. Wow, that's amazing. So it's amazing how this kind of grows out, but you come through the process from start with, with the idea that, okay, how can we make a difference on the community? How can we tell people what this is all about? How can we help? I use, I'm sorry that you say I stamp out ignorance. <laughs> but no, how can, we, how can we change the thought process? Yeah. And then all these other things open up to you. Well, I think what I'd love to do is, you know, the next time we have you on the podcast, I'd like to help give some guidance to people who would like to start having the conversations in um, a peaceful, graceful manner. You know, maybe if there were, if there was a top three or top five things, if somebody came up to you and said, I hate transgender people, or I don't know what transgender is, what would be the top three things you would say to them? I'd say, do you see horns and a tail on me? <laughs> and they say no. I said, "Well, that's one thing we just got rid of, isn't it?" Yeah. So no, just to tell them the story because every one of us comes to a transition with angst. Mm-hmm. We've all come through some huge strain. Um, what we go through is a process called gender dysphoria, and it means that there's a total disconnect with what your birth certificate says and who you know you are in reality. Okay. Yeah. And that struggle can be so great that. People want to kill themselves. I know I wanted to do it four times because I couldn't find a way to how I could express myself authentically. And that's not uncommon. So the struggle is real. And I think what happens is when people hear the angst in your voice, when they, you know, because obviously there are parts that, you know, you know me well enough right now that, you know, there's certain parts of my story that I'll tear up in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that's, that's an honesty coming through. You know, because what is happening is I'm reliving that pain of that moment. And that translates. And people understand this isn't something you just decided willy-nilly to do. This is a, who you are at the core of your, or the locus of your personality. And when they see that happening, not that you're putting it on, it just comes. It, sometimes it doesn't, sometimes it does. But when they see the passion of how you tried to become authentic, that changes the picture so much. Because so many people just walk around thinking, oh, this is something they chose to do. No, yeah. I mean, that's not a choice. I, how would, why would you choose, for example, in my case, why would you choose to give up um, white male privilege to become a second-class citizen as a female? You got me. That makes no sense at no, all. No, it does not. Okay. Yeah. As somebody who was raised as a second-class citizen, yeah, no, right? <laughs> yes. And I, I believe me, yeah. I've suffered my share of, of chauvinism. Yeah. And when that hits you, that oh, okay, now I get it. But, you know, to me, you are, because you're out there <coughs> and you're advocating, you, know, you are somebody who's extremely well-researched on the latest developments with mm-hmm. science, with research, with what's happening le- legislatively. Um, and when you come back, I definitely would like to talk about those things because, you know, for example, we've talked about MRIs. They're doing MRIs on, you know, children and seeing the exact same brain mm-hmm. in a trans girl who's eight years old. And, and, a, trans, and a cis, and a cis girl. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, Joanna, can't wait to have you back. I'd like to um, get some legislative updates from you and what, you, what you're working on, what you're talking oh about. I know. <laughs> We're not going to get political, but just to know where, where are we in the state of things and how can people get involved to further this message. So, Joanne, thank you so much for coming back onto the show. Um, Listeners, 
If you uh, have any questions, if you need to reach out to her at all, transadvocacypennsylvania.org. This person is an an incredible human being making so much change in the world. (laughs) Thank you so much for taking your time. And thank you, listeners, um, for being here and for supporting this podcast. We wouldn't be here without you. Thank you and have a great day.